we never give up. We do not try to trick people into believing. We are not interested in fooling anyone. We never try to get anyone to believe that the Bible teaches what it doesn't. All such shameful methods we forego. We stand in the presence of God as we speak, and so we tell the truth, as all who know us will agree. If the good news we preach is hidden to anyone, it is hidden from the one who is on the road to eternal death. Satan, who is God of this evil world, has made him blind, unable to see the glorious light of the gospel that is shining upon him, or to understand the amazing message we preach about the glory of Christ, who is God. We don't go around preaching about ourselves, but about Christ Jesus as Lord. All we say of ourselves is that we are your slaves because of what Jesus has done for us. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made us understand that it is the brightness of his glory that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. But this precious treasure, this light and power that now shines within us, is held in a perishable container, that is, in our weak bodies. Everyone can see that the glorious power within must be from God and is not of our own. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed and broken. We are perplexed because when we do not know why things happen as they do, but we do not give up and quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and keep going. These bodies of ours are constantly facing death just as Jesus. So it is clear to all that it is the only living Christ within who keeps us safe. Yes, we live under constant danger to our lives because we serve the Lord, but this gives us constant opportunities to show forth the power of Jesus Christ within our dying bodies. Because of our preaching, we face death, but it has resulted in eternal life for you. Good morning, everyone. Glad that you're here this morning and uh, appreciate your singing and attendance. I was uh, blessed this morning uh, during the communion um, by that small voice who kept singing, Amazing Love, How Can It Be That You, My God, Would Die For Me? Sounded like it was behind me somewhere. But it was uh, just a voice that kept singing after the music had stopped. I appreciate that. I appreciate that thought and that reminder of, of God's great love for us and his sacrifice on the cross. This summer, we, uh, on the Wednesday night series, we did the book, um, Don't Give Up. And it was by Kyle Eidemann. And we spent a, a great uh, bit of time and effort to bring that series to life and to 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 our people here. And it was a real blessing. And I encourage you to look online and and listen to those lessons, as I believe almost all of them are online as well. But as as the series ended, there was uh, the epilogue. Um, I was going to look to see how that was actually pronounced, but that's how I'm going to say it. Um, And as Dion shared that lesson, he did a wonderful job. But there was a couple pieces of it that I wanted to, to bring back to our attention, um, and I wanted to do that this morning. And as I was reading about uh, this Second this, uh, Corinthians chapter 4, I found this story, and it's amazing what you find and don't find on the internet, but uh, 
it's amazing what you find. And I found this story that was, uh, has no uh, author that's known, but I found it on a, an advertisement from a restaurant, a Hawaiian restaurant. And as I was looking at it, I thought, gosh, that would be a great video. And I plugged it in, and there are two videos. And uh, I went to show it to Diane to see which one she thought would be the better one to show. Because you know our, our struggle sometimes to show a video. And as it came up, it said, the, the introduction said something about belly fat and menopause. And I'm like, that's not the video. <laughs> that is not the video I wanted to, to share. So this morning, I'm almost 99% guaranteed we're going to have the correct video. But the video, I just want to set it up just a little bit. I believe it to be a modern day uh, parable. Because I believe it, it tells within its story, it tells a much greater story of how we face adversity and what we become while we face adversity in our lives. And, and we're going to parallel it with Second Corinthians chapter 4 as, as we go through. But I'd like to show the video first and uh, have you listen to it. And I and, and ask you to engage with it and listen to it uh, well, because we're not going to repeat the story, but we are going to uh, jump off of it in just a minute. So I, I want you to think about as we watch this very short video, are you a carrot, an egg, or a coffee bean? Let's show the video, please. A young woman visits her mother and, her eyes brimming with tears, tells her how difficult her life currently is. As soon as she overcomes one obstacle, another arises. She feels hopeless, tired, and she feels like she can't continue to struggle like she has been. Without saying a word, her mother took her by the hand and sat her down at the kitchen table. She then put three pots of water on the stove. In the first, she put carrots. In the second, eggs. And in the third, coffee beans. She let them boil in the water, still without saying a word. After about 20 minutes, she turned off the burners. She fished out the carrots and the eggs and put them into a bowl and ladled out some of the coffee. Then she turned to her confused daughter and asked her what she saw. Carrots, eggs, and coffee, her daughter replied. Her mother brought her closer to the bowls and asked her to feel the carrots. They were soft and mushy. Then she asked her daughter to take an egg and break it. The egg was hard-boiled inside. Finally, her mother asked her to take a sip of the coffee. The daughter smiled as she brought the mug to her lips, savoring the aroma and the rich taste of the coffee. What does it mean, mother? She finally asked. Her mother explained that the carrots, eggs, and coffee had each reacted differently when they faced the same adversity, the boiling water. The carrot went in strong, firm, and unrelenting, but wilted when subjected to the boiling water, becoming soft and weak. The egg started out fragile, a thin shell protecting its liquid interior, but became hardened by the heat. The coffee beans were unique. They were not drastically changed, but they transformed the boiling water instead. Which are you? the mother asked her daughter. When you're facing adversity, are you a carrot, an egg, or a coffee bean? Take a moment to ask yourself this question. Are you the carrot that seems strong, but with pain and adversity wilts and becomes soft and loses strength? 
Are you the egg that starts with a malleable heart, but with trial and adversity becomes hardened and stiff? Does your shell look the same, but inside do you carry a stiff spirit and a hardened heart? Or are you like the coffee bean, changing the very circumstance that brings the challenge? When things are at their worst, do you become even better and change the situation around you? Don't let adversity change you for the worst. Change the challenging situation for the better. So which are you? Which are you? Are you a carrot? The egg? Or the coffee bean? Or as you watched it, did you find yourself maybe a combination of, of, the, of, the, uh, of the different ones? I was speaking to someone last night. They were asking about the lesson. And I said, I think maybe you're an egg salad. <laughs> and uh, she laughed. She laughed. But as, as we think about the, the controversies and the the, the, the the struggles and the things that happen to us, whether they're health things, family things, job things, just life, just running into pressures of life with things that go around us. We have a struggle within us, and that struggle can either make us better or can, can, it can tear us down. I have a friend, and I've been trying to find this video. It was a quadriplegic, and I was... I, um, when I was at Union Cemetery uh, for Riley Dugan's funeral, I went by Steve B. is his name, uh, his grave, because I remembered one of the things he was, uh, he became a Christian, short story, he became a Christian, and within two weeks of becoming a Christian, his job as a lifeguard, he had to dive into the pool to help someone, and didn't hit the bottom, never really was sure what happened, but be- broke his neck and became a quadriplegic. And he became one of those Christian people who, who made a difference in so many lives because he didn't let anything stop him. Uh, he said, I can either get bitter or I can get better. And he always chose to be better and do the better thing. So, so our conversation today is what happens to us when diversity comes our way? Uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, it says, I think you ought to know, dear brothers, about the hard time we went through in Asia. We were really crushed and overwhelmed, and we feared we would never live through it. We felt that we were doomed to die and saw how powerless, uh, and we saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. But that was good for when we put everything into the hands of God, who alone can save us, for he can even raise the dead. So Paul's conversation through Corinthians is a great example. And as we look at 2 Corinthians 4, we'll see the pressures that Paul was under. He was, he was pressed under pressure from every side, but it was never compressed or crushed in spirit. He was perplexed. Um, we don't know the answer to why and what, but refused to give up and quit. Um, I had a, another conversation this, in the last week with Wilma Watts. Who, uh, this, who shared with about the death of her, her sister uh, when they were young. And she said, her father gathered them together and said, in a circle, and said, we don't know why, we don't know what has happened here, but we know that God is in charge, and we know that God will lead us, and we will trust him. 
Once again, a real-life example of God in action when we are perplexed about what is happening around us. Paul is also persecuted. We are chased by many adversaries and adversities, but God is with us. And then also, Paul was prostrated. He, he, we throw down... We, are, we have been thrown down more than once, but we remain unbroken. So what keeps us going as we think about it from 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 4? What keeps us going? And the first thing that keeps us going is the call. From verse number 1 it says, It is God himself in his mercy who has given us this wonderful work of telling the good news to others. And so we never give up. Our response isn't to circumstances, but the call of Christ in our lives. That call that God has put on our heart to reach out to the world around us. There was a statement that says, Never ask if you're being effective, but ask rather, am I being faithful? I've learned so many lessons from that statement. Um, A very wise person in this congregation, Duke DeLong, said to me after an event that we had that was kind of poorly attended and, and just uh, was not what we thought I thought it would be. And Duke said to me, he goes, but look at the children that were here. Look at the memories you've helped them make. Look at the blessing this church was to them. And I've never forgot that since. I always believe that God will bring to an event who he wants to an event I always believe that should we put it out the way we should and and pray about it and ask God to bless it, that God will bless it. So it's not always about the effectiveness of our work and our action, but it's our faithfulness in doing what we should do. Just because something is hard or seems impossible doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. So the other thing that keeps us going is the cause. From Uh, chapter 4 verses 12 15 to 16 it says because of our preaching we face death but it has resulted in eternal life for you these sufferings of ours are for your benefit and the more uh, and the more of you who are one to christ the more there are to thank thank him for his great kindness and the more the lord is glorified that is why we never give up paul was never in the ministry for himself uh, our small group watched a, a video series about the life of Paul, and it was, uh, it was very enlightening to the fact of the sufferings that he went through. We read about it, um, but once again, to see it in front of you, or what was represented in front of you, makes, makes it different. He did it for the work of the Lord. He did it because Christ had called him for the cause that he put, him be, put before him. We stay true to our cause, as Paul did, because others need to receive the gift of life. There are hundreds and thousands and thousands of people that we come across that need that gift of life. But we also do it for the glory of the Lord, that God would look at us and that his light is still shining and that he is being blessed and honored through the works that we do. The third thing that that keeps us going is the companionship. In verse, uh, verse 9, it says, We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and keep going. God is with us. Today, there's no reason to fear because God is with us. He says, Fear not, for I am with thee. And in the future, the same God who brought the Lord Jesus back from the dead will also bring us back to life again with Jesus.
from verse 14. So we need that companionship. And we also need that companionship with each other, to encourage each other. We had a little uh, great conversation in class today with Carl as he led us through, um, through this conversation about many things. But one of them was about companionship and fellowship and how we need each other. Um, there were lots of conversations of how it used to be. And uh, what, what used to be has got interrupted by the world and our busyness. And Satan has a great desire to keep us busy with things that really, in the big picture, don't matter. And because of that busyness, we can't make that extra phone call to encourage someone. We can't stop by someone's house to visit. We don't have a meal with somebody. We just let life go. And we miss opportunities to, to let God's word be known, to let that fellowship be felt. There's something, as we said in class, about having a meal together, about sharing, sharing and breaking bread and sharing our lives and our struggles together. The fourth thing that keeps us going is from verses 16 to 18. It's the consolation. It's what comes at the end of our lives, of when we're holding on and keeping things together. It says, these troubles and sufferings are ours after a small, after all, let me start that over. These troubles and sufferings are ours, are after all quite small and won't last very long. Yet this short time of distress will result in God's richest blessings upon us forever and ever. So we do not look at what we can see right now, the troubles all around us, but we look forward to the joys in heaven, which we have not seen. The troubles will soon be over, but the joys, these troubles will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. In the light of eternity and the glory to come, our sufferings in this life are nothing compared to what is to come. And we have to keep our eyes and our focus upon that, that the things that are happening to us now are just a flash in the pan. They're just a flash in the pan, and we need to to work for that crown that's incorruptible. Um, The things that are happening now are just small, and that's hard to... That's hard to deal with when you're in the midst of an illness, when you're in the midst of just a, of, of a problem with your family or your children. But, but you have to look at them that they are somewhat insignificant and that they're only temporary for now. As you think about the end of that video, as you think about the end of that video of which are you, I want you to think, which am I? And I want to read just that last dialogue because I I think it was important. Am I the carrot that seems strong but with pain and adversity do I wilt and become soft and lose my strength? Am I the egg that starts with a malleable heart but changes with the heat? did Did I have a fluid spirit but after a death, a breakup, a sickness, a financial hardship or some other trial have I become hardened and stiff? Does my shell look the same, but on the, but on the inside I am bitter and tough with a stiff spirit and a hardened heart? Or am I like the coffee bean? The bean actually changes the hot water, the very circumstance that brings the pain. And when the water gets hot, it releases the fragrance of flavor. And if you are like the bean, when things are the worst, you get better and change the situation around you. Are you the one that changes the situation when adversity comes your way? 
Do you change the situation or do you let it pull you down and harden your heart or make you worthless? Only you can figure that out on on what's happening in your heart and in your life. There was a speech by Winston Churchill and uh, and his comments were very short and uh, I didn't want to I didn't want to challenge having two videos (laughs) to work successfully, so I'm going to read his comments. It says, never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except to the convictions of honor or good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelmingly might, overwhelming might of the enemy. Never give in. I appreciate those words, and I appreciate um, what Paul says, and, and what uh, Paul, uh, Kyle Eidelman says, and what we share with each other, that we need to, to hold together, and we need to stand together. We need to figure out which of these we are. And I truly believe sometimes we're a mix of several of them. But we need to be that coffee bean. We need to be that coffee bean that changes the adversity into something that's pleasant and something that works. And there are lots of us in this room who face adversity. Different types, different times, different methods. But we all face things that, that sh- make us struggle and sometimes we become uh, <laughs> like a damp rag on, a, on the floor. Can't do anything, you're just there. Sometimes we, our hearts become so hardened that we can't do anything as well and we don't care. Or do we change? Or do we change the problem and the situation we are in to make life glorify God? I appreciated this story and this video, and I hope that it's uh, been something that has made sense to you and has, is something that will challenge you to think about who you are. I encourage you, on the, if you take your uh, communication card, um, I encourage you to read Galatians chapter 6 and memorize that verse about being hard-pressed on every side. I encourage you to uh, read 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I ask you to accept the do-right challenge. That you do the right thing regardless. That you become who God wants you to be. That you stick and do the right thing regardless. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be people, and he knows that things are going to come and, and cause us pain and cause us frustration and aggravation and hurt. And he knows that there are things that will rattle and shake our worlds. But he wants to remind us through this chapter and through other words in the Bible that he is there with us. He is here. He is here now. He is in your life. He is in your family. He's in your heart. He wants to bring you comfort and peace. And through our mission, through the compassion of others, we know we have an end that's a blessing. God has a great blessing waiting for us. So I ask you again as we, as we end this, are you a carrot, are you an egg, or are you a coffee bean? More importantly, are you a child of God that loves him and wants his guidance and love in your life? If you are not, 
If you are not one of his children, I encourage you to, to, be, to do that, to become his child, to become his follower, and to be his person here on the earth. And if you're in a struggle, if you're in a struggle, I ask that you would make it known what we could pray for you and help you, encourage you with. Because we want to do that. We want to be your companionship. We want to be in fellowship with you to help you through whatever it is. Um, I know uh, when you reach out to the people of this congregation, they will be supportive of you no matter how big it is or how small it is. You just need to make it known. So what are you? Who are you? Whose are you? Think about it while we stand and sing.